We are back. We are back for another episode of that Bench Mob podcast. It's your boy, Mr. Still Not Worry, with Miles underscore 81. Make sure y'all follow him. Y'all know the vibes already. Y'all know what y'all get when you follow him. Um, yesterday was Kobe Bean Bryant's birthday. Of course, we're going to talk about it um, just because it's still – it still hits you, like, you feel me? It, it, it doesn't seem real that he's not here, especially during this time with playoffs. To get his detailed in-look on some of these games would have been dope to have it. But uh, what's been some of your, like, what's your three biggest Kobe takeaways for you, like Kobe memories? Um, Some of the best memories. I got to throw that, that last game in there because that was just unreal how he just – for for like a, a quarter, he just turned into the old Kobe again and just put the team on his back. Basically, he's he's an old man at this point, trying yeah. to still play with all the injuries that he was just racking up. And for him to put out put up like sixty in that last game, regardless of how many shots he put up, because that's what Kobe does. He's gonna put up shots, but. For him to just put the team on his back, and he can't even move as well as everybody else on the court, but he still could shoot and just willing his way to victory. Because they were losing that whole game and then came back at the end. That was one. Definitely that 80, 81-point game, of course, you know. I'm sure Jalen Rose doesn't remember what happened, but (laughs) the rest of us do. Um, And then I don't even think it – you could name like the the first championship without Shaq. What else? Some of the injuries that happened, like the dislocated finger that he literally had popped back in on the court and just went back. He, he never subbed out. That was the thing with like with Dame. He he had the whole injury. Same thing that happened to Kobe. But I mean, some people can't play with that type of pain, and he just kind of like compartmentalizes it and. Just that was going. He was different. Yeah. I know. I'm good. I'm good for tonight. I don't need to play no more. I'm good. And then the last one, probably when he tore his Achilles. And I can't imagine the pain because I've read about the injury and how, like, it feels like someone kicked you in the back of your leg. The tendon rolls up the back of your leg, too. For, for him to get up and, like, walk to the – free throw line, still shoot the free throws and make them, and then walk off the court. That was not I – don't, I don't know if there's anybody doing that. They'll, they'll probably get carried off in a wheelchair like Paul Pierce that one time. But, <laughs> but hey, I don't know. <laughs> uh, in that regard, Kobe was just different. Like, thinking about his the documentary, how he talks about with injuries, he said he would just look at it is the moment bigger than this injury? Mm-hmm. A lot of people would think that way too and still be like, nah, I'm good. I can't play through this pain. So he was different in that regard. My top three moments for me um, the five air balls against the Jazz. Rookie year, right? Yeah, that started even a crazier work ethic because that's this, that summer is when things kind of started to take off for him. And that was the the failure that helped him get to the mountaintop. You feel me? So 
definitely got to have that as one of the moments. The 61 at MSG in 2019. I didn't want to say that because, you know. <laughs> and the thing that I always remember is that play where he hit Wilson Chandler with a pump fake, pivot, spin around. Work of art right there. Definitely supposed to bring up old old stuff. We, we I thought we were not bashing the Knicks today. <laughs> I had to just that play right there. The footwork on that was crazy. And then of course always Kobe at MSG. A hey, spike. This was your fault. Sixty one. Your fault. Fifty four. Your fault. So that's always fun when you see Kobe at MSG with Spike. Always fun. Um, Spike be causing a lot of problems for y'all, sidebar, with uh, other players being able to go off because of Spike. Reggie Miller, you know. We we got him back, though, in 99. We got him back. We beat him to go to the, the finals, but y'all forget about that. <laughs> the number three moment for me um, was the 2008 Olympics against Spain where he, out of a team, obviously, with the greatest athletes in the world and some would argue he wasn't even the best on that team to still have that Kobe leadership moment and come in clutch that fourth quarter to have 13 points in the final quarter to help them get that gold gold medal that just speaks to hey I'm ready whenever the moment is going to be um with Kobe one of the things that you know, he always preached, and a lot of people try to embody now the mama mentality. For you, what the what does the mama mentality mean for you? you know, mama mentality just means go get it. Whatever it is, whatever you're doing, if you have to work hard for it, that's what you got to do. You got to put in work to get what you want. That's why... Kobe was always pushing players to reach higher, reach higher goals. Like he would, I remember he was, he was tweeting to players like, oh, I want you to do this this year. Like, oh yeah, you did this this year? All right, different goal, let's set it. Like I think he said MVP for Giannis, you know. He set a lot of goals for people and it was just trying to get that Mamba mentality out of these people that he saw that had it too. Like Giannis has it. I see Jason Tatum has it. There's a lot of players that have it. But it's just a matter of like, do you want it hard bad enough? Because, I mean, there's plenty of players that were that good, but just didn't put the time in, the work. They didn't work hard enough for it. So they just were regular players who, you know, had good careers or and it doesn't even have to be like pro sports either. It could just be in your job or in life. Just go hard to the fullest and live life to the fullest and make sure that you don't leave any bit of energy out that could be put into something that helps you. Yeah, definitely is more to sports because you saw him transition that into him writing books and producing producing animated films and things of that nature. Uh, it's it's the mentality. It's not just sports. It's, you know, to whatever your goal is, whatever you are purpose to do, go at it 
Um, and I think that's something like you, you said, you see people in all walks of life between yesterday and today just showing the respect and the tribute videos of how much Kobe was an impact to their lives, like Snoop Dogg and Kendrick Mark. That's not, you know, music, but the mentality went across all types of, you know, vacations and whatever you did in life to just have that mentality of, hey, I'm going to work hard and do everything that I can to be the greatest at what I'm doing. And it's really, I'm in competition with myself. Yeah. Am I going to be the greatest, greatest me, greatest Antonio, greatest Miles? Um, so, Kobe will be forever missed. Uh, I don't think anybody, many people will be able to get over this at all. Like, I, he falls, uh, for me, under the categories like the, the Michael Jacksons and people like that where it could be 15, 20 years from now and it still has that impact like, yo, remember this? And he has so many moments where you could be like, yo, you remember, where were you at for the 81 point game? Like, so, and you see, like you said, it's imprint on a bunch of players from Kyrie to Dane, all these players that he's worked with, Jason Tatum, you still see that impact and you see that. You see the Kobe within them. One of the players that had that mentality and, you know, still plays right now is Chris Paul, that dog, that fight in him and that killer mentality, which he was able to bring to game three and get them a win against Houston, 119-107. Um, takeaways from that game, he act, he definitely played a big role. Him and Gilgis Alexander played a big role in them getting that win. What's your takeaways from that game? I really thought that OKC was going to lose that game, but they just battled. That's what they've done all year, just battle. And Shea, I've been saying that he's he's nice, he's nasty. And he hit some clutch shots when they needed it. Like at the end of the fourth quarter, that corner three was clutch to to tie it, to, to keep the game close so they don't get swept. Because I think if they lost that game, that's just too much to overcome. And you, you're probably going to get swept at this point. But 2-1 looks a lot different than 3-0. So that was, that was why that was a huge game. It did help that Harden fouled out. Because I don't know what he was doing on that play in overtime. But if you know you have five fouls, go back to playing Harden defense from before. Where you don't – you just – don't put your hands out. You just put them behind your back, basically. Just do that because without him, it was clear there's nobody on that team really that can do much in the, the same aspect as a, a Westbrook or a Harden can do. Like Austin Rivers, he's been doing good, but I'm not relying on just him to go get me a win. That's what it came down to. And then Chris Paul was hitting some crazy shots. That fadeaway three from – the right side was crazy. Like, bullet, bullet. Like, I, I don't think people understand how hard that shot is to pull from your hip. Because the thing, that's why Chris Paul can't really get blocked on those. He pulled from the hip, has it sideways, and then pulls it up for the shot. And he's mastered that. Yeah, his and shot is just like that now. And I don't <laughs> – it's crazy because I'll see him shoot him. Like, what? That doesn't look natural, but – it goes it in. Don't. 
Yeah. It's not natural. It isn't. I don't want nobody. It's not natural. He's just mastered that so much so. And that's why as players, he gets that shot off on players seven feet, seven taller than him, and they can't block him because he's pulling it from the hip. CP3 did his thing. Um, one of my takeaways from it doesn't seem like, you know, the people that was calling uh, Lou Dort the Harton stopper, it doesn't uh, seem that's the case anymore. Harton had his 38, went back to normal. So takeaway from that, um, we already know the usual stuff. Houston got out-rebounded. Harton fouling out was huge. Dennis Schroeder played huge for them off the bench, 29 points. Big, big, big game from him. Do you see them being able to take this momentum into turn it into a series, or uh, Houston gets back in the driver's seat, and now we're talking 3-1, series over? They can. I mean, they haven't said anything about when Westbrook's coming back, so this is the time to really make a move in the series. You, you just avoided going down 3-zip. Now try to tie the series and make it a, a, a diff, difficult series for Houston because it should be. They don't have one of the best players in the NBA. They have Harden out there, but Westbrook is a, a big impact guy and his energy is missed. But Houston's just – they got to shoot. That's their, their MO. They, they shoot the three. I mean, I think – one with one of these games, they shot like thirty-five threes in the first half, which that's just a crazy stat to think of. But that's what their game's built on. If they're hitting threes, they're tough to stop. But if you can limit that, then yeah, this could be a good series. And you also need those three guards from OKC to do what they did in Game Four or Game Three. I mean, again, because. They all played well. Like Chris Paul did his thing. Shea had 30, I think. And and uh, Dennis Dennis Schroeder did his thing as well. So we'll see. That's the thing that's concerning. I don't know if they could do that another three times. Each of the CP, Gilgis Alexander, and Schroeder getting 20-plus points each. That's what they had to do to even have a chance to win. But – I don't know if that's going to happen three more times with also possibly Westwood possibly coming back. I still think Houston pulls it out. It's just going to be, it's going to be tough. They literally have to do that every game for that team. So shout out to them for not being swept. Another game three that we got to talk about Lakers Blazers. Um, Lakers pulled it out 116-108. Thoughts on that one. I have my, my thoughts on it. What's, what's your takeaways from that game? I mean, LeBron, playoff LeBron came out to play. He did He did his thing. He basically put the team on his back. But they're getting good, good production out of him. AD came up clutch towards the end of the game, too. So that's kind of the formula for L.A. You got to ride those two especially in crunch time, they need to come up clutch because just like Houston, without those top two guys, there's not much going for the team if they're not doing anything. So that was a good game. Melo was 
doing his thing as well. Dame, it doesn't really look like the finger was affecting him. He was pulling from wherever he wanted still and hitting shots. So I think game four is going to be a lot closer than this one. I think it could be like a, a last shot type of thing because that's how Portland has to treat it. They've, they came this far. They weren't technically in the playoffs when this all started. Now they have to get back in that, that dog mode and play hungry again because they, they, they lost game two, got smoked. Game three, that happens, but they're not out of the series yet. It's only 2-1. So if you win here, then that kind of flips it back towards Portland a little bit. But I don't know. They, I don't know how much they've played JR and some of these other shooters, but I like how K, KCP's been playing. He's playing a lot better than that, uh, that one-point game he had, game one. Definitely. I mean, you can only do better than one point going forward. So I, I hope he, he continues that trend. But I don't I haven't heard Kuzma's name that much. I just noticed that too. You haven't really heard Kuzma's name. And they're still up two one. So that's a a positive, I guess. But you kinda you need to get him going. He needs to get going. You can't have him just out here just breathing on the court. You need to be productive. You need to make some shots. You're the third option on the team. That's a that's a privilege, especially on a LeBron James-led team. So you got to carry your weight too, or else, you know, stuff like what happened in Cleveland a little bit starts to happen, where a lot falls on those top two guys, and that third guy kind of he's out of the loop a little bit, and you're not getting the production that you were getting from that guy before, like a LeBron and an AD got there. I think it was – I'm going to start off with the Blazers takeaways. I think it was interesting that they went with the two big men starting off with Whiteside and Nurkic in there. I think that was interesting with with how that panned out. Um, they didn't get much from their bench this game, the Blazers. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. had six. He struggled. Pazonia didn't really get that much time. They even put Simmons in there for a little bit. Simons. They didn't really get much from their bench. You got a game where you get – 34 from Lillard, 28 from McCollum, and 20 from Anthony. Typically, you would think that's a game where one is closer to they might win, getting big games like that from all three of your players. That third quarter with Melo was kind of giving you flashbacks of Denver. He was he was doing his thing. So those are the type of games for Portland. They got to somehow figure out to win that game, to get big games from all three of them. You know, typically my head, Dane went off, and CJ was kind of had a bad game. And Metal had a decent game, hit big shots. They can't miss opportunities like that. Lakers, takeaways, like you said, Braun did his thing, AD did his thing. 38-29. Typically, you want to get 50 to 60 points from them. Between both of them, they had 16 assists. You can't ask more than that. And they both had, between them, 23 rebounds. Great. That's the type of stat line you need from them every night because they don't have a big three. This is not the Celtics with KG, Ray Adam. This is not them. They don't have a big three. They have the big two that they really have to ride to get this championship. I 
don't know what's up with Kuz. I think maybe they need to run some more plays for him, try to get him going, because he's really that X factor. J.R. Smith will get some playing time now. He ain't playing Deion Waiters. I'm I'm still not going to try to figure out what Frank Volk was doing with the coaching lineup and things of that nature. But Kuz, I need Kuz to have more of an impact. Even if it's not you getting buckets, you need to do something else that's going to have an impact on the game. Bigger being that you're that third piece, whether you're scoring or not, you need to be doing, you feel me, something to have a bigger impact because that's, I feel, him and whoever is the, that other shooter is the X factor. Whether it's Caldwell Pope that game or Danny Green, who seems like the headache is wearing off. He went two for four from three-point line, so that's good. And then, you know, a JR, Dion, those are the X factors, but Kuz is the main one. That's the that's our Lou Will off the bench for the Lakers. He's been too inconsistent. He's just – that's his MO, basically, just inconsistency. Because I don't know what he's supposed to do on the court with LeBron and AD because he's not, he's not consistent enough to be a spot-up shooter. And – when he drives to the hole, it's not it's not like how LeBron is. He doesn't drive to the hole strong. He's just he's real flimsy with his his drives to the hole. I I don't know what's up with that. He's like six ten, but yeah, they need a lot more out of Kuz because I like I like Kuz. He he could be good, but at the same time, he needs that Mamba mentality at, right now. He, that needs to kick in for him. Like, get those shots up. Because Caldwell Pope, I'm sure that's what he did. He he struggled game one, and, you know, shooters shoot. So I'm sure he went back in the lab, was shooting, trying to get out of that funk. And now what? Now he's probably the third most consistent guy on that team right now in the series, which is, which is kind of sad because <laughs> – Caldwell Pope, I don't know if I'd want to rely on him when it comes down to, like, crunch time. But he has hit open shots. He's, he's athletic, which, I mean, a few years ago, he was being looked at as, like, a $20 million guy with the Pistons. But now he's kind of just looked at as, like, a shooter. But that he, he, can, do, he can do different things. So I like that. I, I know Deion Waiters – He's not really getting the run that he should, especially off the bench, because he could, like you say, he could be their Lou Will in a way, somebody who can just heat up ISO buckets off the bench when AD and LeBron need a break, need a breather. Like put him out there, put Kuz out there with him and and see what they could do together. Because, I mean, they should have been trying this during the games in the bubble. I don't know what Vogel was doing, but – it guesses. It's too late. It's too late to just try to mess with the lineups right now. But I still, I, I think that the Lakers are going to pull out Game Four. I think too. Then you got to look out. Like I said, you mentioned it. Maybe they need to run more plays for them. Maybe you have a, a Deion Waiters in there. That all right? We take off some of the pressure because a lineup with Kuz Caruso. You know Dwight Howard, you know the offense mainly is going towards Kuz. So maybe yeah. if you have Kuz in there, 
Rondo's coming back. Maybe Rondo come off the bench with him, get some some easy passes, get him in the flow of the offense. Uh, speaking of that other late LA team out there, the Clippers lost in a I would say the most exciting playoff game of the bubble thus far is the Dallas Mavericks, who did not have Porzingis. Takeaways from Dallas winning that game in overtime. They showed that they got some grit in them because Porzingis, he's basically missed two games for them. Because that first game, I'll, I'll give that to to them as he basically missed that game because he, he got himself thrown out right when they needed him. And I don't know what's up with him, but he, he didn't play in game four, which left them kind of shorthanded. But they do have some bigs who can fill that KP role, like Kleber. He can he can spot up shoot, and that's basically what Porzingis has been doing. But Luca, he's – I said it. He's top five in the NBA already. Like, he's – there's no debate. Like he's just he what the way I see it, he kind of has that LeBron effect where he doesn't need too many players with him. Like he'll figure out a way to get the job done. Cause if you look if you look back on it, like LeBron, some of those Cavs teams early on, I could I can't name anybody on that first team that he took to the finals. Maybe Ilgowskis, but that's about it. What about Marejo and Booby Gibson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they were okay. But, like, on this team, like, they have some decent players, but it's really, like, Luka or Bust, because if he's not playing well, they're not going to win. Although, game, game two, they did pull that one out with him in foul trouble, so I'll give him that. But, no, game three, my bad. Mixing up the games. Um, yeah. Luca took over. Kawhi did his thing. Pandemic P was active again. He's just he's in a funk right now, and that that's the new name we're gonna have for him. You saw Chuck was saying he can't be called Playoff P no more. I don't want to call him that though. I don't want to call him Pandemic P because he's too good to be called that. People just coming at him because he's had a couple bad games, which in the playoffs that could happen you know you you get in a funk like this but wow this this is not how I thought this series was gonna go where it's now it's 2-2 and game five is it should be treated like a game seven because nobody wants to be down 3-2 at this stage especially not the Clippers with all the expectations that they had coming in and all the trades they made to to make this playoff move because they're the deepest team in the league right now, but they're struggling with the Mavs who, I mean, as a seventh seed, I wasn't exactly expecting them to do anything this year, maybe in the next few years because they have Luca, you know, that next step he takes, but it looks like he was, he was working in those four months off because he came back and it's just too easy. I don't know. It's just, his game is so effortless. With, with them, you got to look at how they had big games again from Trey Burke. I'm sorry, it's another wound for the Knicks. Um, Trey Burke, Seth Curry had a big game. Tim Hardaway Jr., also a former Knick. 
had a big game without Porzingis being there. I think it's huge. I know I'm watching the game live. In my head, I thought Luca settled on the jumper. I'm like, yo, get to the rack. They would have called the foul more than likely, but he takes those shots. Exactly, he takes those shots on the regular. You can't, you can't knock Luca. I know when we did our top 20, 25 ranked player, I didn't have Luca in my top five. But hey, the biggest stage right now in the playoffs against the Clippers team that is already supposed to be these champions, everybody you pick them. To have your team tied 2-2, you got to give Luca his props and you got to give him his credit. And the scary part is he's still, what, two, three years in? Who's to say where he stay healthy, where his career is going to go and skyline it from there? You know, Lou Will did his thing. As always, Lou Will. Shout out to Montrez Harold for actually apologizing to Luca. They, uh, they call him Lemon Lemon Pepper Lou now. <laughs> Lemon Pepper Lou. Um, Kawhi had those clutch buckets. He was doing his thing at the beginning of that overtime. I I don't know. They're 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 supporting him, but Paul George. If they lose, it is going to be on Paul George's head why the Clippers lost. Outside of that, I wanna I wanna get your input on this because I'm I'm confused. A top five defensive team in the regular season, they're giving up minimum 120 every game so far this series to the Mavericks. What about the Mavericks is tearing apart this heralded top defensive team? Well, Luca running the show, and then they just have so many shooters on this team. Like Seth Curry is nasty. I think I think people get to see that. Trey Burke is basically unguardable off the dribble at this point. Baby Tim, AI. Yeah, baby AI. I mean, let me, let's, that's a stretch. Let me not say that. But Tim Hardaway, he's been he's been playing well. I'm I'm shocked because. With him, it's just always about consistency, and he's been pretty consistent for them, hitting, like, contested shots late in the game for them. That's big, too. I think that's what what it comes down to, you know, and it helps that Paul George, he's off right now. Like, if Kawhi and Paul George were on, then this series wouldn't be what it is, but... Because he's off right now, it's made this a closer series. And if I'm a Clippers fan, that would have me a little worried, especially we just lost to a Mavericks team without their second-best player, who with him out there on the court, it really changes how you have to play because he's basically a seven-foot-two power forward out there. Who who do they have that can D him? Because I'm not putting Montrez – Marcus Morris, nobody. So they they dodged a bullet in game four, but they still couldn't get the job done. So that would be kind of a blow. So this is it comes down to coaching at this point because Rick Carlisle is a seasoned coach. Doc is too. Now it's basically 0-0. Zero, zero. The series starts over again. You, It's best of three now, and you have to somehow get those two games any by any means if it's – the Clippers, like, 
instigating fights with the Mavs and getting under their skin because it worked in game one. That's what you got to do. You got to do what you can. But Yeah, in regard to their defense, man, I don't know. Maybe it's also the factor of Pat Bev not being out there. Um, not saying that Pat Bev is the sole, you feel me, reason why they've been giving up so many points, but he's an irritant. He was able to – that game one was – that first quarter, first couple minutes, Luka was – there was a lot of turnovers, and he was getting frustrated because of Pat Bev. Like, Pat Bev, for what his role is, he's one of the, the greats at what his role is and what he does. Um, so, I don't know when Pat Bev is supposed to come back. If he comes back this series, I just – if the Clippers are able to pull this out, I have some concerns on the defensive side for them because that's what's supposed to, in a sense, be their calling card. You feel me? Like, you got more than enough options for offense to score from Reggie Jackson, Paul George, Kawhi, Lou Will, Trez. Marcus Morris hit some big shots. The big thing was, yo, they have Kawhi and Paul George and Pat Bev on the same team, not in lockup. And they ain't been able to lock up anything so far this series. So going into that next series, gonna have to play the winner of that Utah Jazz Denver Nuggets series and seeing the buckets they've been putting up. Utah pulling that win out, going up with a commanding 3-1 lead. If somehow Denver was supposed to somehow pull it out, that's scoring that the Clippers gotta worry about if they win. And then Utah, Donovan Mitchell has been on a here this series. Um, shout out to Murray getting 50 clip. Mitchell in the series, his second 50 clip game. 50 plus twice in the series. Mike Conley balling out. Remember I said that like two episodes ago. He might come back and ball out now that the child is born. It's a weight lifted off. Woo, I feel free. He balled out crazy big, 26 points, four for eight for the three-point line. Are the Jazz, are, are we considering the Jazz making noise in this, this playoffs, or you think Denver's going to actually be able to come back from down 3-1? I mean, I, I didn't really like the matchup going in, but – Somehow Utah's up on the verge of knocking Denver out, which Denver's a deep team too. They just, I don't know, they don't put it together consistently. But, yeah, Donovan Mitchell, he's put the team on his back. That's what he's doing. He's taking that next leap, it looks like. All these, you're starting to see all these players who, with that time off, they were definitely using it to get better because it was basically the same amount of time that you see in an off season, like four months between the finals and training camp. So that's what this has basically been, a new season. And Jamal Murray, he had a good game, but you need everybody to come out and help you. Like Donovan, I don't know who's been Dean him, but you might have to make a switch because two fifty balls in one series, that would definitely have me questioning 
my defensive tactics going forward. But I think the series is over. I just don't – I don't like the Nuggets. I haven't. I just I, – every year, they're, the last couple of years, they finished, like, top four and end up getting bounced early, even though they have this team on paper in the regular season that should do a lot better. But they just don't have playoff success. And I don't know how they fix that. They yeah, they're a regular season team, man. Like, for example, if, if the Bucks don't get into that finals this year, I see, like, they're the two type same teams where you got all the talent, you look great on paper, when the playoff times come, it just don't add up with them. Do you think with this team, like, what do you do to possibly fix this? Do they blow this team up? Mm -mm. I don't think you blow this team up because you got some good pieces that are young that are going to just get better with time. Uh, You can't get rid of Jokic. He's the heart of that team. You can't get rid of Murray because you're just hoping at some point he just puts it all together consistently and jumps into that top point guard tier. Um, And then you have Michael Porter Jr. and Bo Bo, who they both were coming off injuries and they've showed that they can play. So another year of them, you know, an off season for them is going to be, that could make Denver a scary team, but that's not happening right now. The Jazz, they're just playing better. They're making shots, playing defense. Rudy Gobert's doing his thing. And he's honestly, he's putting up numbers in this series without an offensive game. He's just, you know, dunks, alley-oops, you know, putbacks. He's not really doing any post moves to get points. But Denver doesn't really have anybody to D him because Jokic can't play defense. He's a liability out there. And I think, what was it, game three, Rudy had like 20 and 11 in the first half. What? That's not even what he does. He's not really built like that. Bases. No, he's not built like that. But if you're not playing defense in the pick and roll, you put Jokic in that, which that's a problem. I don't know how they fix that, but he's a liability in the pick and roll because he's just too slow to react to the guards and get back on D. It's just not working. So I'm just saying jazz and five. Now it's jazz and five. I don't know what I, I forget what I said before this. I don't know if I was, I was hot on the, on the jazz. I think I might've been, but. yeah, I, I had picked the nuggets. I know I picked the nuggets thinking at least they would get out that first round. Um, I didn't have hope in them actually making a deep playoff run because it's the nuggets, but uh, yeah, it's not looking good for them at all. But before we transition to the next game, we recap um, one of the players from Utah Jazz, Donovan Mitchell, just tweeted, after games and playoffs, this is sick and is a real problem. We demand justice. It's crazy. I don't have any words, but WTF, man, this is why we don't feel safe. This is in regards to yet another shooting by the police of Jacob Blake. Um, would be remiss without talking about this. Um, we are still yet in the same situation. 
shout out to him for speaking on it. This is what we said with if the NBA was supposed to resume, that we wouldn't lose focus. And players like Donovan Mitchell speaking out on this just keeps that in the forefront. And I'm sure we're going to see with this happening now, some of the games today, I'm sure we're going to see the players. That's all they want to talk about in the interviews. It makes it just so hard to even try to play. And it's your job and something that you love when this continually happens, especially as black athletes. Um, anything, any takeaways, anything you'd like to say regarding Jacob Blake and what happened uh, in this sad situation? Uh, it's just another tragic situation that seems to happen too often to people of color. Because, you know, we just had this happen, not a shooting, but we just had somebody killed a few months ago, which to some people that might seem like a long time, but relatively speaking, that's, that's nothing. Because we haven't even finished grieving that, haven't gotten justice yet for Breonna Taylor, and now this, it's just, it's not a good feeling just knowing that it also happened in front of his kids too, that he got shot in the back seven times, which, you know, seven times, it seems that's, like that's, a little excessive. It almost seems like it's an execution more than it is to stop somebody from having, having a situation escalate. But that's where now we have to deal with this and Just cops, they need to do better. We've been begging for years for equal treatment from law enforcement, but you don't really see this happening to any other person, any other race besides people that look like us. And all the, all the charities and all the the movements we've tried to do have left us with this, where even though we did have the movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, we're still doing that and we're still fighting the fight. It's just not a good feeling when something like this happens again. And it just breaks your heart because you hope he, he makes it out alive. Because some of these situations, you would have seen that he was dead or somebody would have been dead by now off of seven shots. So I'm praying for him. I'm hoping that he does make it out of this situation. And I'm just hoping that we see change in the future because that's all we're looking for. We're not looking for, you know, you to make any special exceptions for us. We just want to be treated like human beings, you know, treated like everybody else that walks around on these same streets as us. That, don't, that, that doesn't have to fear for their lives when they're confronted by the cops. Because that's all it comes down to now. It's just you don't trust the cops. You fear them because you know that even the slightest sense of anger coming from you 
that could end up with a cop overreacting and putting putting some bullets in you, which just thinking about that is unreal. It's almost, it almost feels like gang, gang stuff, how people are getting shot and not really seeing justice for it. I don't know. It's just yeah. it's disheartening and hopefully at some point we don't have to worry about this. We don't have to every month or every few months have to say RIP to another unarmed black person. Like you said, like he said it best, we don't feel safe. It's, it's scary sometimes in America to be a black person. It's very, you have to move differently than any other race. Um, you have to be oh so careful in what you do, what you say, what you wear, how you respond. It can be warranted for you to be angry, but as a black individual, you can't really respond to anger when it comes to the cops and the police brutality that is going on. I know I can speak for myself. Literally, this whole year, I'll, if I see a cop in the vicinity driving by me, I'll pull over to the side of the road just Hey, you could drive past me just to prevent anything possible popping off, anything possibly going wrong. That's how serious it is for me. I literally will just, I don't even care. I'll take a detour 15 minutes out of my way to just get away from a police officer being around the city driving. So I can't imagine those that's actually going through it. Prayers out to his family. Uh, that he survives, that justice is actually given to him and his family. That's such a traumatic situation for your children to be in the car, to have to hear and see that. Prayers go out to his family, um, out to that city, because you know people are gonna protest, some are gonna riot, it's gonna get, it's gonna probably get messy over there um, with especially justice isn't served and quickly, because we're still waiting on Breonna Taylor's killers who are out and about free doing God knows what. So we had to, this was not on the docket, but something like that happened. We had to put that in there for this show. This is, we talk about these topics and we make sure that, again, part of the NBA restarting the sports that we keep that still at the forefront because that's more important than any sport going on right now. Um, transitioning back into one of the other games, the Celtics complete the sweep, get the brooms out. They complete the sweep of the 76ers, as expected. Um, we don't even really need to talk about the stat line with that. I don't, at least. We saw it was going to happen, whether it was 4-0, 4-1, whatever the case may be. My takeaway from it, what do we do with this Philadelphia team? Tobias Harris, Al Horford got big contracts. Each average under 12 points, under like six boards, shooting 30, 35% from the field. We can't put this all on in detail. Those players, as much as they getting paid, yeah, what, what do we, what does Philly do? What are we doing with this Philadelphia team? Well, one, I would, fire whoever signed out Horford for all that money 
Elton Brand. Yeah. It's not a smart investment, especially when you already have a center and you're signing another one for a lot of money. Um, Tobias Harris, another guy who's just not stepping up as much as he should, especially with Ben Simmons out. You would think that now he can he can do his thing. He doesn't have to shy away and be that like spot up shooter. He can dribble. He can take it to the cup. He can shoot, but he's not really doing too much of that in this series. And it could just be chemistry issues because one, the coach, he's not going to get fired just yet, but he's not going to enter 2021 as the head coach of Philly. I don't see that happening. He's, he's just not the guy that they need to lead them out of whatever whatever place they're in, whatever place they were. They're in the process. Yeah, well, I don't know how long this process is supposed to take. This is like a 30-step process. <laughs> it's supposed to be like a few steps. Um, it didn't help – definitely doesn't help that Ben Simmons was hurt because he's the glue. He makes that team go. But seeing – Embiid on the sideline and he just looks out of it. He just doesn't look interested. It it makes you think maybe this is the time to break this up. Although I I just don't think it's time yet. I think you have to go with a new coach, a better coach. I don't know what Brett Brown was doing before this, but he wasn't winning championships. So let's let's try our hand with somebody who's had a little bit of success. Like, I, why not look at Ty Lue? Why not look at Kenny Atkinson? Why not look at some of these other guys who have a proven track record, developing guys, coaching good players? Like, Ty Lue is definitely going to be a head coach next year. That's no secret. It just depends where, and he'll have his pick. But Philly's already set up, basically, to make a run whenever they have – a good coach. So let's see what happens then. But for now, it's just not a good look. They got swept. Didn't look like they put up a fight, like especially game four, they just almost gave up. And in some of these games, they were winning by double digits to start the game and just just fell apart. But it also be, it's also because the Celtics are a lot better than them. And that's even with Ben Simmons out there. They're just – too good for them and I'm glad that series is out the way I'm glad that net series is out the way because I didn't want to see <laughs> playing too much longer <laughs> I'd rather get to that Toronto Celtics series as soon as possible because that could really be like the series of the playoffs if we don't get LA versus LA which could be iffy it could be iffy at this point how you see that that series panning out, I, that's a tough one for me, uh, especially Celtics not having Hayward out there. Um, it, I think it was my pick to get to the finals, but without Hayward and out of Raptors, granted, it's the Nets, granted, it's the Nets. With the Raptors, with their chemistry and just how they flowing together. I like that they handled business. Uh, we swept them, playing no games, put up 150 points. 
the Raptors, they, they looking like they might be making that trip back to the finals. It's all about who who gives out like the most. I'm not gives out. Who gets the most out of their stars? Like you need to get what you've been getting from Jason Tatum. You need to get what you've been getting from Jalen Brown. Like those two make that team go. But also Kemba, I mean, we can't forget about him. He's still that guy. And that's what makes this Celtics team team dangerous because they have those three guys who can get you a bucket. And they also play unselfish too. But Toronto, they surprised me every year because before when they had like DeMar DeRozan, they they were more of that, you know, regular season team. But now – they got a new coach. They got some players. You know, Pascal's taking that leap. Van Vliet's taking that leap. Still have Lowry. Like, this team is deep, and they, they're well coached. So, I don't know. I hope, I hope this series goes game seven because this could be a fun one to watch. And I don't know if it'll be fun to bet on, but it'll be fun to, to watch from the, from the sideline. I think it the uh... – Raptors do have that advantage regarding their bench. I think they have a little bit of a deeper bench than Boston. Um, I think in this series, I would say like Kimba and Marcus Smart would have to play out Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry because I think Tatum and Brown are going to get they you know they points. They're going to get their stats. Siakam going to get his stats still. Um, I just think the Raptors a little bit deeper on their bench with, you know, like Serge Ibaka coming off the bench. He's been playing – he's been playing well. So, I think it goes to seven. But I think that – I think just the Raptors and Boston not having Hayward as another option, I think is going to hurt him in this series unless he's able to come back. Um, transitioning, we can't forget about – the ladies, our queens, the WNBA. Uh, thus far in the season, it's 22 games in the season. Most of the teams have played about 14, 15 games, something like seven or eight games left for them. What's your takeaways on so far how the WNBA has been uh, going? And shout out to Diana Sarazi for throwing on number eight last yeah. night and dropping 34 and a huge, uh, huge win for them. So what's your takeaways from uh, WNBA so far? With the teams, it's kind of you, – you're going to see the best teams shine and the bad teams not. Like the Liberty are pretty bad right now, and it it's not worth watching because Sabrina's not out there. But you have Seattle. They're going to be good. They're, they're going to be up there. Phoenix, L.A. with Candace. I just – since it's a lot shorter than like the NBA – I just want to see the playoffs start because some of these games just – I don't want to watch them. Not because it's the WNBA, but it's just because they're not competitive. And everybody knows that, like, the playoffs is where you make your money and you get some better games. And that's where that's what we want to see. So that's what I'm looking forward to as far as the WNBA goes. And, and we'll see because I know I want to see the Mystics. I don't know about – Deladon, if she's going to be coming back or not, but they're still good. They did win it last year, so don't don't sleep on them. They could 
they can make noise. Shout out Maisha, you know, from Montclair. She's she's playing well too. So Yeah, looking at the standards, you know, the Mystics is only a game and a half, two games out from that HC. And if Deladon comes back, they could be a sleeper team, you know, upset whoever's the number one seed. Like Seattle right now is on a two game losing streak. Granted, Sue Bird is injured. And Sue Bird is a huge piece for them as their point guard. So that's huge, depending on her health, how far Seattle goes. Brianna Stewart's been still doing her thing. Um, of course, Sparks, my Sparks, they my pick. They on a seven-game winning streak right now. Seems like they're getting their chemistry. They're getting everything going. Derek Fisher is doing a good job coaching in the WNBA a little bit better than what he had his stint in the NBA. Maybe he found his uh. There's a little home. less. There's a little less pressure. That's that's for sure. Maybe he found his home right here, and uh, you gotta, of course, you can't count out the Aces, Las Vegas Aces, with Aja Wilson, who's doing her thing, and Adrian McCautry and Bill Lambert coaching them up on defense. So I'm excited, like you said, for the playoffs to start. It's upsetting and it's uh, sad for. Liberty without Sabrina playing, who many had, were picking as the rookie of the year and, you know, the future face of the WNBA for her to be injured. Um, and we, we were starting to see little glimpses of her getting her thing going in the WNBA. But we'll see when the playoffs come. We'll definitely talk about it when the seedings and the matchups happen, who we have picking and things of that nature, just like we did for the NBA. But right now, I see the Sparks, really. They, they're on the rise right now with a seven-game winning streak. Um, so definitely team to watch out for. Definitely watch out for the Mystics if Deladon is able to come back. And you would um, think Phoenix too, because they got a big three over there with Skylar Diggins, Tarasi, and uh, Brittany Griner. And on paper, that should be tough to stop. Yeah, that should be like it should be one of the favorites. So don't sleep on them, especially going against LA. You know, they seven and seven, they still trying to figure it out. That's the thing that just sucks with the WNBA. It's such a short season. So when you get new pieces like a, a Skylar Diggins and you lose some pieces, you got to get it together. Like, you don't have that much time to get your team going. It's really, that's what makes it also exciting. It's 22, and this typically is a 36 game season. 22 games, you ain't got much room for error. No. So, if they can get going, they, of course, is a sleeper team, but we'll see how everything pans out, see and everything like that with the playoffs. Transitioning to some NFL news, um, your boy, Earl Thomas. He's yeah. had a hell of a year. Is <laughs> <laughs> no longer a Baltimore Raven due to most recently a uh, physical altercation with a teammate um, punching – Chuck Clark, what's your thoughts on this takeaway with uh, Earl Thomas? You think your Jets might pick him up? Who 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 do you think Earl Thomas would be a nice fit with? Do you think he should have been cut for the physical altercation? I mean, it's football. They do this in training camp and stuff like that. Do you think he should have been cut? I mean, they also said that he was a bad teammate over there. He was late to meetings. There was other stuff that went into it, but I think that was the last straw because there's only so much you can take from like a really good player before it's just like, it's too much. You saw that with AB last year. 
And now you're seeing it with Earl Thomas this year. As you know, offseason was a rough one for him, you know. And he's good. He's still good. But that's a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. And you can't have, like, toxic players on your team that just mess up the chemistry. Like, most Super Bowl runs are supposed to be fun. But if you have one guy who's just making it rough and you're like, oh, I don't even know if this guy's witted or not. He's not He's not really helping to build chemistry out here. Then you got to get him off the team. But it's definitely a surprise for some teams that might need a safety, like your team, the Cowboys, y'all. He was asking y'all to come get him. So now let's see if – if you do, because there, there's a few other teams that do need him. I'd hate to see him go to the, the 49ers because that would just that would just be too much, too much firepower. Even if he went to the 49ers, I still – it's just with them, it's Jimmy G. Because what happens to that game where, hey, you play another team that has a good defense and you need to score? Are we trusting Jimmy G? I think – like you said, if he goes there, that just makes it – that makes it hard for Seattle. So that makes it even harder for them to do anything. Yeah. Everybody throwing them out there as a possible option. I don't think I want to pay that hefty price. I just dealt with Jamal Adams. I don't think that would be – They're not even going to look at bringing Earl Thomas back. He, I'm pretty sure that bridge is burned and it won't happen again. But – that would be a decent option to look at too, because him and Jamal Adams, that would be a sick combo. It would be like Legion of Boom all over again, in a way. But Earl, you just gotta get it together. You're too good to be getting released two weeks into training camp in the middle of your prime, basically. So that should give people pause. I don't know if he'll get signed Right now, he might get signed in a week or so, but yeah, definitely players and coaches, they're going to be trying to see why and get to know him and see, like, can we have him in this locker room? Because that's always been the issue with like Antonio Brown, guys like this. Sometimes they're not, they're good players, but they're just not a good fit on your team. Like, it would be nice to just have superstar players fall into your lap like this. But then you got to also think, like, oh, if we do bring this guy in, what are the ramifications that are going to happen? Is he going to fight my quarterback? Is he going to try to <laughs> do all this other stuff? Like, can I trust him? You don't know that. So we'll see. I think he'll be a nice piece within the NFC East, whether Dallas – or Philly gets them. I think that would be a nice piece for more. Even maybe Houston, with how their defense was at times, was real suspect. Uh, so I think he's picked up. It's just, is it worth everything that comes with Earl Thomas? He had a, how do you say, a not the easiest exit out of Seattle. Um, so. Now this is becoming, you know, a part of his legacy of what they say about Earl Thomas. He's not a good teammate. He's a distraction in the locker room. 
He has a bad attitude. He's late for meetings. So with knowing all of that, the talent, somebody's going to sign him. It's just, is he worth it? And do you have the locker room culture to withstand that? Like a Patriots, for example. I don't think they sign him, but that would be a perfect place in regards of we can handle everything that's going on that comes with the baggage. Because New England has no problem, as we saw. We'll sign you on Tuesday. And if you cause them problems, we'll cut you on that Sunday with no problem. So I think he gets picked up. We'll see by what team. He'll make an impact on whatever team he goes to. It's just the off the field and the mental aspect. Will that affect the rest of the team? But we this is another good jam-packed episode of the Bench Mob podcast. Make sure you check us out. Subscribe, stream. We're on all streaming platforms. If you want to donate, if this episode, if any of our episodes have had an impact and made you laugh and educated you, you felt this was good information, anything like that, you can donate to us on Anchor, um, Anchor Podcast, and you can also hit us up for your Benchmark Podcast shirts. They are selling like hotcakes. Make sure you get yours. It's only $22, so definitely hit us up for that. But Benchmark, stay safe. COVID is still going on. Peace. We out.